Hey, everybody, this is Oklahoma Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell, the host of the Oklahoma Innovate That podcast uh, in partnership with OCAST. A few days ago, uh, I had a, the real pleasure of, of sitting down with, um, with Daniel, Connor, and Stacy. Both, uh, all three of them represent different companies inside our Oklahoma Innovation Pipeline model. Uh, and uh, really, uh, really excited for you all to tune in right now to the second part of that podcast. Talk about the difference a little bit, um, the, the available state funds versus federal funds. I mean, how can a, a business find out which program may be best for them? Because, again, we're talking about federal dollars and state dollars here. Um, a little bit about the difference between those. And, 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 and I'm assuming, again, you kind of direct and, and advise a business on, on which ones to go after. But, uh, Stacey? Yeah, I think it would start at what what's their goal? How far do you need to get with the money? It doesn't make sense to take uh, and pursue a, a round for $2 million if you're just trying to get to an MVP. Um, so I think that would definitely start with defining the goal and being very realistic about stage. Where are you right now? Where should you start and where do you want to go? All the funds under I2E are classified as state funds. So we don't have any federal funding under I2E. Um, but we really try to make it clear that the first time you raise capital probably won't be the last. It's okay to take it in little chunks. You can um, prove, you can drive your valuation, you can show value, and you can raise again. You hear about these huge uh, startups like Airbnb. They're on their Series F or G. They've raised so many rounds. So you don't have to get it all in one shot. And I think that breaking it up into those manageable pieces and meaningful milestones, not only for the founders, but also for the investors, makes it a lot easier to determine which capital source best fits the company. Sure. Many of the funding programs in OCAST somewhat mimic some of the programs that Daniel is helping companies work on the federal side. However, you're just competing against Oklahoma companies in our funding opportunities. So our award rate is much higher. Our win rate's higher. The money's usually less. Um, but again, they a lot of that information in those applications is recyclable and reusable. And so when you apply to NSF, it just makes a lot of sense to turn over and apply to OCAS because it's a lot of that information going back in um, and to win more money. Okay, absolutely, and I'll <clears throat> I'll echo the the stage is really important as well as kind of the the goals in the background of who we're working with. So in the first conversation we have with every client, you know, are are they a university professor? Are they somebody who has a full time job that's trying to do this on the side? You know, what are those goals and what stage are they at? And and we base our recommendation on that first and foremost. And within the SBR world, different agencies have different thresholds for what they consider innovative. So for example, the army usually tends to fund things that are that are pretty practical, um, but they are also a very difficult agency to win funding from. Yeah. Um, whereas the National Science Foundation um, is maybe a little bit easier to win funding from, but they they really want to fund very forward-looking ideas and it really needs to be innovative. So so really we just have a conversation with clients and figure out what stage are they at and what are their goals. Got it. Yeah. Well, you guys clearly can have that conversation with folks because I know that probably again comes up every single day. Why is seed funding so important? There's no other place to get money besides grants. I mean, they normally don't have an idea that's bankable. They don't have any collateral. They don't have any assets. So they can't really go out for a traditional bank loan. So these are moonshot ideas that really don't have another avenue for funding. Um, I think a cool part of Oklahoma's model, especially within I2E, is that we only comprise up to 50% of a round. And the other 50% is brought by high net worth individuals, other people that want to invest on the deal. So it's a great check and balance for us to say, we think this is a great idea. We did the diligence on this. What do you, the public, think? And will you put your dollars uh, next to our dollars? Yeah. So I think that it's a unique avenue 
because uh, besides friends and family capital, if someone's going to go out and, and ask their closest loved ones for money, there's really no other place to get a meaningful amount of capital to kind of pursue these ideas. Yeah, we, we hope to be pre-seed oftentimes with where we yeah, exist. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, instead of, you know, giving up 50% of your company just to prove you can do it, we like to, to be the R&D resource that helps you prove it, and then maybe you go find seed afterwards. Yeah. yeah. As I mentioned earlier, the you know the best thing about SBIR funding, in, in my opinion, beyond just being free money and, and non-dilutive, is, is it prepares you for those those future conversations. You're, you're not coming to an investor and saying, well, I have a cool idea mm-hmm. um, and nothing else. To, to put up against it, you actually have success and revenue oftentimes. Yeah. Well, and you kind of answered the question. I mean, the, the ne- one of the next questions I had, I mean, how is that funding different, you know, uh, from venture capitalists or investor, it, how they would choose to, to buy into a company? Mm-hmm. And I think you guys have, have answered it. Really what you guys are, you, you really lend the credibility uh, to a lot of these companies so that the investors then, you know, ultimately jump on. I mean, is that mm-hmm. a, what we're kind of getting at? Yeah. And if someone were to take a dream path, I would say talk to Daniel and talk to Connor first. Mm-hmm. If you're good fits for them, take as much non-dilutive capital as you can, because those are times to learn. You're not giving up any equity and there's really no harm, no foul. If it doesn't work out, you kind of just walk away and say, we tried, we, we innovated, we learned, and it's not going to go forward. But with us, there are some repercussions that come sure. for for not, you know, delivering. So if someone were to take the dream Oklahoma path, I would say, you know, start with OCAST, start with OU Innovation Hub, then come to I2E if you have, you know, things a little bit more tacked together. Yeah, no, that's very good advice. Mm-hmm. Very good advice. Uh, so once once you choose a company, you know, once you're working with a company, how, how active of a role do you play uh, in their success? I mean, I, I know you guys will probably be a little humble on this, but but how active of a role, uh, you, I'm, again, I know OCAST has a lot of success stories, but how active a role do you guys do do you play with these companies? I think we try to stay in, as involved as they will like us to be and want us to be. I think there's the balance of being a healthy reminder a couple times a year or answering the call once a week when they need to ping an idea or find a, a resource. Um, many of our conversations don't involve exactly what OCAST does but it's relaying a partner's information or connecting them to, to a resource that can actually be what they need to be. Mm-hmm. However, we hope that when we are there, we give them that information that when they have that idea in three months that they remember the OCAST funding opportunities are there or that they remember talking about the Innovation Hub or I2E and what, mm-hmm. what everyone else does. Yeah, good, good. For, for our programs, um, the main way that we help companies through, through the SBIR process is what we call our SBIR Business Accelerator. Uh, and we were actually one of the very first organizations across the country and maybe the first to have a formal business accelerator focused on connecting companies to SBIR as, as a capital source rather than something else. And we are very hands-on. We have um, training that is now virtually available. We're the first one to have a full virtual accelerator as well um, that companies can, can access. That's about six hours of, of our staff talking them through, you know, what should your strategy be? What should the proposal look like? How do you approach this? Um, and to go along with that, we have weekly meetings that are that are a minimum of an hour um, for the entire eight week period in which they're writing a proposal. And so um, I like to tell clients that it's probably going to take you 60 to 80 hours a week or 60 to 80 hours to write a competitive SBR proposal. But you're going to get probably 40 or 50 hours of my time if you take advantage of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Ours is very cyclical. If we're working on putting together a round, we may be talking every day. We may be up at the office till late uh, working on that. After the money is deployed, it's really kind of as an as needed basis. I tell them, if you're going to need more money, you need to raise the flag early. I need to know about it now. Um, on the other side, kind of the pre-seed capital, 
we have a program called E3, which stands for Evaluate, Equip, and Empower. And that is a more intense program. I'd say that's about 10 hours a week of individual consulting. And there's programmatic time and reporting out to a venture advisor. That is where we're really seeing if there is a there, there is their yeah. product market fit. So I think it, depending on the stage of where a company is, it can be very intense or kind of a passive investor. Yeah. That's really good. Really good to know. Um, uh, so again, we've talked a little bit about this, but but you know, just from a thirty thousand foot view here, I mean, t- talk about the benefits of having an organization like Ocast to help businesses. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma is so fortunate to have someone to at every stop in the road. I think there are some ecosystems that we've looked at that have a singular piece that they're doing very well. Oklahoma is fortunate to have people really knocking it out of the park all along from. Hey, I have an idea that I started in my garage to, hey, I need to raise, uh, you know, $5 million in Series A capital. And we all really work well together, which is a blessing as well. You're, there's not a deal going around Oklahoma that these guys and I haven't heard of and shared notes on because we're really invested in the success of Oklahoma because we know that innovation and good deals beget more good deals and innovation in the state. I would agree with that completely. Uh, I would say, you know, having the state of Oklahoma uh, and OCAS behind and really publicly touting that that they want innovation to happen here in Oklahoma, that that we want new industries, new technology, um, and to support the industries that have been here as well, um, and their innovation is is crucial. You know, I, I think there, there's only so much that that entrepreneurs can do without access to to know how that they wouldn't have, as well as funding that they wouldn't have. And I think the the state plays a crucial and special role in providing that. So, Connor, I'll ask you this since you're with OCAST. Yeah. Again, you don't have to brag on yourself, but how, how much oversight uh, does OCAST have on this pipeline, uh, on, on you know, the I2Es and, and, and our, you know, OK Catalyst and other programs? Sure. There's definitely oversight. It's so much more than that oversight, though, but those relationships and, and being involved with each other's organizations. Um, from the 30,000-foot level, it's amazing to see that 30-plus years ago, OCAST existed and none of these partner oh you know she obviously did but these programs none of this existed and so all of these were founded based on that need that there's still these holes for entrepreneurs and startups in Oklahoma that they need these resources and so this thing just keeps growing and Mm -hmm. and there's more we're going to continue to do uh, and innovate everything uh, program wise we're going to continue to try to fill the holes where our companies need them. Uh, So how many applications do you see on a yearly basis? Hundreds, hundreds. hundreds. (laughs) Yeah, we get inquiries. We probably get 10 cold inquiries a week. Those aren't the ones that we're seeking out. So not all of them are fits. We do a kind of a filtering process and and get to our partners. We try to never say a straight up no to anyone. We try to give referrals out. But I mean, we're doing probably between 12 and 15 equity investments a year, probably around five to seven TBFPs a year. And then running about 50 programs through uh, companies through the E3 program a year. That's great, Daniel. We meet with uh, between 100 and 150 companies every year. Okay, uh, mostly via referral. Um, that's not counting, you know, webinars and you know the less formal conversations. Sure. And we typically have about 40 to 50 participants in our SBR accelerators every year. Yeah, and I'm assuming Connor it, with OCAST. I mean, they, they probably a lot of folks start with you. Yep. Uh, so that number's probably even higher. It's it's probably between 250 and 300 applications, and, and that's one cycle per year at this point. So yeah. a, a small period of time, we have a close to 300 applications, and we probably fund 
75 out of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and we're just getting started, too. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, those numbers go up when you have a state you know, putting their muscle behind talking about this pipeline, which, mm-hmm. again, certainly is the goal here. Yeah, and sharing the wins. I think that's mm-hmm. this is an excellent podcast for that, and there's other resources. But to hear that another Oklahoman has gone and done what you are aiming to do is just such a confidence booster, and they can kind of tell you the way. They can share their story. They can share those resources because the same chance exists for, for any Oklahoman. So we're really working – I mean, all of us could be better on sharing the wins uh, from our organizations and inspiring other Oklahomans to start the yeah. journey. Is funding an issue? I mean, again, of those, again, you said you fund 75%. I mean, it, it does. is funding, I'm assuming, again, we you, you jump from 100 to 200 to 300. Funding at some point is going to become an issue here. But at this point, uh, is funding an issue? Yeah, just like every state organization, I2E has had to have its cuts over the years. And I think that we're doing more than we ever have with probably less than we ever have. So um, if this is a formal ask, I'd love to ask for (laughs) somebody right now. But um, I think that we're doing a really good job deploying our resources. But it would be amazing to see how many more Oklahomans we could help or how many more staff we could hire to really get in depth with the company if we had more funding. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Echo those things. Certainly. You know, I said we fund probably 75 a year. Our reviewers would like us to be funding 150 to 175 of those. And when I say reviewers, we use that external review process to identify what's good research, what's good science, what's good technologies. And there's a close to 175 of those that they say, yes, this should be funded. For us, our, our funding is we don't have control over it. You know, so so our funding source is, is already set at the federal government level. But um, for us, having more funding to have more expertise on staff to support more clients um, would be incredible because we, we do a lot with, with a little. Um, and we have a, a small but mighty team, and, and it takes a while to develop that SBR expertise that, that you mentioned. Yeah. And a lot of those folks get paid a lot of money. For, you know, $4 billion isn't exactly a rounding error in, in our federal government, but it's close to a rounding error. It is. Uh, it's, so, you know, you, I'd love for that to go from 4 to $40 billion. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, the, the it's, amount of money that we waste, unfortunately, at a federal level. Um, you know, thankfully in Oklahoma, we have to have, there's a balanced budget amendment. You know, we have to have a balanced budget at a state level. Uh, at the federal, and again, I know we're sending a lot of those, you know, CARES Act dollars out to states right now, you know, billions at a time, and, and rightfully so, we should. But uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love for uh, uh, the federal government to uh, continue to uh, to push. And again, telling the wins, mm-hmm. as, as you said, Stacy, we we keep telling the wins uh, in in that program. Maybe it does go from four to five to. Uh, to, you know, sky's the limit inside mm-hmm. the federal budget. So I, I want each of you all to answer this, too, as we kind of tie this in into a bow. We mentioned, again, doing business in Oklahoma. You know, w- what are some of the benefits of starting a business in Oklahoma? I mean, there, there are people listening to this that are that are looking where they can go for help. And again, sometimes that help is in, over an invisible line in another state. Mm-hmm. But what's the advantage and what's the benefit of, of starting a business right here in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. I think you have a really well-developed entrepreneurial ecosystem. Like I said, someone's at every point in the road, and we all work together. Like I said, I think that's a unique value that we have. It's easy to start a business here. You can be uh, somewhat of a big fish in a small pond. We see people all the time say, well, why shouldn't I go raise in Silicon Valley? I'm like, oh, go try it. There's right. a lot of people out there <laughs> trying. And, and a lot of people that we work with are from Oklahoma. They want to reinvest in their home state. They went to Oklahoma high schools and colleges, and they want to build it here. Um, but to those, we, we see a lot of people moving more recently than ever. So I think that the ease of doing business here, the support of the community, and the availability of capital 
really sets us apart from other markets. Yeah, I, I would echo that. Yeah, Dave. And it's incredible how, uh, how small of a place Oklahoma is whenever whenever you really start ne- networking and, and talking to folks in the industries that you want to work in, you know, whether it's it's investment capital or at the earlier stages, you know, research and development at the universities. Um, yeah, th- there's there's few other places, I think, that that have the, the strong networks that Oklahoma has where everybody's working together. Um, to make each other better and, and not competing over which deal they're going to get and which piece of the pie they're going to get. Like Stacy said, the ecosystem is set. I mean, there's plenty of resources available. Um, what I find intriguing about Oklahoma is I think the Oklahoma standard really rings true in entrepreneurship as well. And that almost any of these companies that have already been on the podcast would happily have a conversation with somebody that said, hey, I want to start a business. You did it. How did you do it? And, and I think we see that all over the state and with the people we work with. They're just willing to help, willing to give back in, in those meaningful ways. Yeah, you know, we saw that with our rebranding effort. It, you know, our people do set us apart. I mean, every state probably will say the same thing, mm-hmm. but not every one of those states works together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they can become very bureaucratic. You know, Oklahoma is pretty nimble. Uh, you know, I, we have 4 million people in Oklahoma. I'd love to have 5 million. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want it to be bigger. I want more people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means we're creating jobs here. Uh, and entrepreneurs are thriving here, uh, but we better take advantage of of being nimble and kind of working together. So when a company does need help, as you said, we can hold their hand throughout the, the the entire process. And that's why I am such a big believer uh, in the Oklahoma Innovation Model. I just am. I'm not just saying it. Uh, I'm taking the time to to dedicate uh, my time to it as well. Uh, and I just think each and each each one of you. Um, you guys are extremely impressive. You, you, you know, you, you know what needs to be done to help companies. Uh, and from a state level, again, whatever we can do in our lieutenant, in my lieutenant governor's office. But again, uh, with the direction, with the help of OCAS, again, I, I really do believe the sky's the limit. Any final, any final thoughts from from any of you all that you may want to share that we haven't touched on? Well, I, I think post COVID, we're going to see more innovation than ever. I'm really excited for the wave coming. Um, a lot of great businesses have been started out of adversity. You know, we have had people that have been at home with extra time to think about what they want to do. And um, we're really excited to see the next wave uh, coming through. A crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Yes. True. If, uh, if you're listening to this and, you know, you're thinking about wanting to start a business and, and not knowing where to start, reach out to one of us, um, reach out to somebody else that we've mentioned on this podcast. Um, you can do it here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. My final two thoughts. One, we have a fall cycle of intern funding opening next week. So if your company is interested in hiring interns, please reach out to OCAS. Please reach out to me. Uh, We would be happy to start the conversation. And then to, again, reach out to us. Let us start the conversation. If you have any interest at all in what we do, we'd love to try to help you. And they can reach out to you via... I'm assuming the World Wide Web. That's correct. <laughs> and uh, what is that address? Electronic mail uh, <laughs> or phone number. Or you can find all of my information on ocast.ok.gov. All of my information, and this is Daniel Moses speaking, uh, can be found at www.okcatalyst.com. Yep. You can see all of I2E's information in every company we've ever invested in at i2e.org. Thank you guys again so much. And to those listening, Thank you all again for uh, tuning in to another uh, st- another podcast uh, series on our, again, Innovate That Podcast.